Well, church, uh, my name is Tim, and good to have you with us today. And um, I was going to let you know, I don't know if you knew that Agave went back to Turkey last week or earlier this week, so he'll be Wednesday morning. Almost there now. Well, I know he'll be listening to this lesson, so we all, I'll just tell him, hey, we're, hey, Gates, we miss you already. <laughs> He'll love that. He just eats that kind of stuff up. Okay, um, I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, let's see. There's a lot of things in your bulletin. If you want to get your bulletin out and look with this, uh, you'll notice a, a set of notes to follow along in today's lesson. If you're a guest here for the first time, uh, you can follow along with those notes if you like, or uh, if you just want to sit back and listen, you can do that. Uh, most of the scriptures that we're covering today are on your notes. There'll be a few up on the screen as we use PowerPoint. Also, uh, you're going to notice uh, a communication card in there, and this is your opportunity uh, to make a decision. A Greater Alton, it's not just about coming together and hearing somebody talk at us. It's about leaving different, leaving Change. You know, one of the things we have, we say, is that we are a bridge to a better life, and we want you to experience a bridge to a better life. Well, bridges are made to cross. They're made to walk from one place to the next. And so wherever there's a gap in your life, wherever there might be a chasm or a challenge, Jesus is that bridge to get to the other side. And we hope that you'll, you'll uh, take advantage of that communication card because it, we are able to tap into God's power through prayer through that card. And you can do two things on that card, maybe three. You might be able to write down maybe a decision you've made today based on this lesson. Hope you'll do that. Maybe uh, it's a prayer request. And if you have a suggestion, I guess it is a comment. Uh, we'd, we'd like to hear that comment as well. Hope that uh, it's an a encouraging comment, all right? <laughs> How's that sound, all right? But that's uh, in your bulletin if you'd like to fill one out. We're going to take those cards up at the end of our service uh, during our final song. We, uh, last week we were at Hartford Park, had a great time, a lot of fun, and I want to say again, yeah, a great time, enjoyed it, uh, it was nice to get outside and uh, meet some people, some people from the community came, uh, and it was nice to have that, and I stuck around till I thought just about everybody left, and I thought, well, I guess it's time to go home, so I'm working my way over to the truck, and I hear some cheering, and it's the kickball game. I've, they all went to the kickball diamond. And so I got to go watch kickball. And if you've never seen kickball, it's one of the most hilarious games, I think, on the planet. Because you see people of all shapes, sizes, uh, playing this game with an overinflated ball that no one seems to be able to catch. Okay? Uh, we were watching along. And uh, to give you an idea, here's Andy Weiler. He's up to the plate. This guy's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, yeah. Here he is, golden toe Andy, you know, and he kicks one a mile. And right behind him comes Olivia Tankersley, and she's only about this tall. And so I called that team the awkward squad, all right? And they were taking on the Bad News Bears. But then we watched them play, and we got their names mixed up because they both played a lot alike, okay? So, but we had a great time. I enjoyed watching that. Enjoyed uh, the tug-of-war. The geriatrics group did well. Um, and the girls, teen girls... Did some stuff, impressive. Uh, we had some washers and stuff. Had a great time. Good food. Good to be together. And um, glad you could all all do that. Uh, we we tried to talk a little bit about our series. This series we're in right now is called Identity, and it's about making a positive ID of your life. And what I'm talking about is, you know, it's so easy to get. You know, this. There's been moments where people have have. Um, 
made a, a, a bad idea or they, did, they mis, misidentified someone and, and they're either in jail or something happens to them. And, and people, you know, struggle with identity in our society. We've, lo- we've looked at that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And uh, what a marvelous thought, though, making a positive idea. God, God wants, to, wants you to experience a positive idea, who, to know who you really are. Uh, because when you know who you really are, you really get the most out of life. And uh, like, I, like I quoted Bob Hawkins uh, a couple weeks ago, there's two things that really you need to know in life, and that is know your God and know yourself. And that's what I'm hoping this, this series is going to do. It's help us understand who we really are. Last week at Hartford Park, we looked at Zacchaeus. We kind of got off the grid a little bit and looked at Zacchaeus and how you and I really matter. We see that. And, oh, I'd love to see Greater Alton be a church that treats people like Jesus treats treated Zacchaeus, huh? Wouldn't that be cool? And uh, that's and that's what we're after here. Uh, in your bulletin, before we get started, this third uh, lesson, uh, we're going to be looking at Moses today. We're looking at insecurity. We've got several things that's coming up, and I want you to look at that bulletin closely because we've got, I believe, uh, there's, a, there's a young adult retreat, right, this weekend? Yeah, they're going to be going out. And then on, on the 17th of August, the kids' ministry is, going to, is inviting all adult insects to, to join their pupas to uh, Parents' Day back in the back uh, at Metamorphosis, uh, where they're wrapping up this uh, series on transformation. Your kids have been learning how to change. And so uh, we're asking all parents to join their kids. That's on the 17th. The 17th is going to be a busy day because that night we have a swimming. We have it at the aquatic center. We have this summer splash going on. And I want you to know that you notice in your bulletin it says something about the pool concession stand will be open. I think we've we've been there several times and they never have the concession stand open. Well, this year they've opened it up. They're going to have it open for us. But be inviting your friends to this as well. It's only two bucks a person and it's a lot of fun. We get the whole. Uh, center to ourselves also there's uh, September the 5th is our marriage retreat that's coming up and it's called Meet Me in St. Louis and, uh, and, and we're going to be looking at uh, the things in marriage that are right under our noses and uh, we're meeting at the Pear Tree Inn I believe or hotel right there on Market just a stone throw away from uh, Union Station and uh, you can sign up uh, and get your rooms uh, reserved uh, now, if you like, and uh, Mike Kiffmeyer uh, negotiated this price with uh, Pear Tree and uh, with tax and stuff, and you can you can do that online. And there is a there is a fee to pay uh, along with it, a fifty dollar fee if you plan to go and go to the Spaghetti Factory. Uh, you'll be make sure you get that. You can pay that at the Welcome Center, thirty five dollars if you don't plan to uh, join us at the Spaghetti Factory. And then I believe there's one other thing, and that's our, our leadership, uh, or not leadership, but our church seminar we're having on the 20th of September. And it's called Aiming with Purpose, and, and you'll see that in your bulletin. And, and I really want to encourage the whole church to show up for this. It's very important you come to this. We're going to be talking about why do we get together on Sundays? What's the purpose of Sunday mornings? Why do, what, what am I supposed to do when I come through the doors? What's my focus? What, what else should I be focused on? Obviously, I should be focusing on God, but is there any th- other things I need to be thinking about and, and looking into? Is there a purpose for Sunday mornings? And we're going to be looking at that uh, three-session three seminar. I think it's going to be two, cla- two lessons and one discussion group. 
We'll follow up with one discussion group, and that's on the 20th. So would you mark your calendars and, and try to be, uh, be at this thing? It's going to be here at Greater Alton. I think it starts at 9 a.m. Okay, that's all the commercials I got. Sometimes I feel like a NASCAR driver. I got all these commercials I got to get out of the way. Now let's get into this lesson. We're talking today about insecurity. Anybody here insecure besides me? Yeah, you ever struggle with insecurity? All the time, all the time. I bet you every one of us has something we're insecure with. I'm not insecure. Okay, you keep believing that. All right. The rest of us will be insecure. Uh, But I want to talk today about conquering our insecurity. And we're looking at the life of Moses. And it's a very familiar passage in Exodus 3 and 4. And if you'd like to turn there, go ahead and and make your way there. You know, what I've learned, uh, I guess, about insecurity, I'm a very insecure person. If you don't know that, um, I am very insecure. Uh, always have been, and and I have, and I'm I'm particularly paying attention to this lesson because this is really helping me looking at the life of Moses. Because we see Moses really conquering his insecurity, and it's with God's help he's able to do that. But I don't know if, uh, how you would define insecurity. I know it's easier to experience it than define it sometimes, huh? And so uh, I've got a little definition. I've basically got three definitions of insecurity. And if you want to follow along in your notes, here's how someone describes insecurity. They describe it this way. Insecurity is the unsettling awareness of the gap between who I want to be and who I am. Is that true? It's not just an awareness. It's unsettling. It's an unsettling awareness of this gap that I feel that's between who I want to be and who I think I am. We all can probably recognize this gap, huh? I mean, I, yeah, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I like to play golf, but I don't play it enough to be very good. Okay? I just play enough to be dangerous. And I went to a little par 3 course I play every Monday morning with James Lampley. He's the preacher at the Church of Christ over in Godfrey. And we get together and uh, we play. And, boy, I mean, it's a competition, you know, two preachers on the golf course. And so we, and we're not very good. But I happened to shoot four over par. For, and that's the best I've ever done on the course. I mean, I, just, I, mean, I was running the gamut. Every, I mean, it was either a par, you know, and then only four bogeys. Man, was I pumped. We're fist pumping. I mean, he, he chips in a 30-footer. I put in a 20-footer at the last hole, and we're high-fiving. We're like, praise God, we're good, you know. <laughs> and Jim Shrimp calls me, and he says, Hey, Tim, would you like to play golf this weekend? I would love to play golf. Where? We're going to play at Lock Haven. Lock Haven, huh? Yeah. And I got a couple of buddies we're going to play with. Okay, so I, I join him at Saturday. He's already played 18 holes for the day. He's ready to play another 18. And Jim is a good golfer. Did I mention I'm not a very good golfer? And who are we playing with today, Jim? Well, here's a judge. A judge? And he can play. And here's a guy that used to pitch in the Cardinals Farm Club. And I'm playing with these guys. Think I'm insecure? 
and I played like I was insecure. It's like all in my head. That's what they say, you know, it's golf is mostly in your head. So I'm in trouble. And that's how it is when you're you feel that gap. Here I am with three guys, one guy's an athlete, the other guy's two great golfers, and here I am a you know, putt putt golfer basically in that league. I'm a little par three guy and I'm trying to hit it as far as them and they're crunching the ball. You feel insecure. You notice that. We compare ourselves with other people and we f- see the gap beginning to form. When I go into, let's say there, uh, somebody asks me, would you come speak uh, to our college campus students or to our high school campus students? And I go, sure. And I come in and I'm, you know, I'm 57. I say, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned a Walkman. And I've done that. And they're like, and then you know you're in trouble when they go, what's that? Is that like one of those things? No, no. You listen to it. Man, you want to talk about feeling uncool. What am I doing here? I'm an old man and everybody else is, you know, their hair is nice, their skin's nice. I got wrinkles on top of my wrinkles and I'm going, I should not be here. The gap. There's the gap. Uh, put me in a group of preachers and I see the gap. I'm sitting there and I hear them start talking about, and they can pronounce the names of the cities and the people without making a mistake. I'm thinking of Jebusites, Amorites, and the termites. That's as far as I got. That's not true, Tim. That's not the way you say it. I know. Here comes the shame. You know, I'm, I'm just, the gap. I remember when I moved here in 1985, Denise and I moved here, and we worked with a church here in 1985, and I came from a youth ministry in the middle of the country, and I loved working in the middle of the country, and I come to the city. I see Coke machines everywhere. I was blown away. I'm in the city. This is the city to me. And I remember thinking, is this where I should be? And all of a sudden, that gap of insecurity begins to appear. I'm not in, into this church two years, and it splits. And we, with about 20 people in my basement, we're starting a church. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? We don't even have enough money to support. There were three guys on staff. Two guys stayed on staff. And so I decided I would go work in the autoglass business. The Gap. I've never been to a business school. I don't know anything about business. And I'm in the auto glass business. Buy my partner out in 87, or I'll start in 87, with a kid on the way. We're starting a new church, starting a business, and a kid on the way. What am I doing? Gap. Can I do this? I'm not a businessman. Will I be a good dad? Oh, my goodness. Church grows, business grows, buy the partner out in 1990. Church grows, we build a, we buy a grocery store. You were drinking coffee in the grocery store. Then we put up this dome and plant a church all at the same time. Church takes off, the pulpit man goes with them, 40 people. 
Uh, you think I don't feel a little insecure? People walk up to me, why didn't you go on the plant? Why did you have to stay? You don't think I don't feel a little insecure? Try to keep things as best I can. Try to, you know, don't try to change much. And people are saying, you're changing everything. I'm not even trying to do that. Just trying to be a good church. Want to plant another church. Time, the time comes and goes by. People start to leave and leave and leave and leave. Insecurity? You don't think I'm insecure? Aren't you a little insecure? The gap is just there. I hate being insecure. Don't you hate it? It rears its head up and scares you and makes you back off. You know, you do one or two things when you're insecure. You either back off or you try to bull right through it and overperform so you can prove to everybody that you are the right guy, the right gal. Which one are you in? Which camp are you in? Am I right? What are you thinking, Mickey? You're thinking something. But it's true, isn't it? We, we're either, we either we're passive or we're into, we're, we, we, we shrink back and we're passive and we say, I'm not doing anything because I'm not the right guy. Or I go over the top and I try to push through it. Or I try to pretend I don't care about it. Done all that. Done all that. I'm sick of it. I hate that. And I read this, I'm looking at this, this, this week, this particular idea of Moses and insecurity. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I need this every bit as much as you do. For we all feel that gap. And it's unsettling. I want to be this, but I'm this. I want to do that, but I do this. You know, I look at, I look at uh, Moses, and if there's ever an example of a guy of Moses uh, of insecurity, it's this guy. He grows up in a palace, you know. He, it's, it's funny, God's plan, and by the way, you see God's plan all the time. You, you see it played out the same way in everybody in the Bible, and I have a feeling it's the same way in everybody in the kingdom. And God's plan goes, we always say, God has a plan for you, right? You hear that all the time. Just type in, God has a plan for you, and you've got video and information, and it's true. God has a plan for you. It's His plan for you, not yours. His plan for you, and it's a great plan, a great path. It leads to life. But I've noticed something in this plan. I've noticed that this plan has got like three phases in it. First, God wants, in His plan, wants to work for you. And in Moses' life, God worked marvelous for Moses made sure he got in a basket he had good parents got in a basket they were faithful they didn't fear Pharaoh they put it in the Nile River and he made sure that that little basket made it through the crocodiles and to the very feet of Pharaoh's daughter grows up in a palace and we all like that part of the plan God do something you're going to do something for me oh man great keep it coming 
You're doing that for me? You're doing that for me? You'll do that? Do that? Wonderful, wonderful, good, good, good. I like it. And God goes, oh, it's great. Now I want to do the phase two. I want to, the plan involves not just working for you, but working in you. Yay, what? I want to work in you. What do you mean, Tim? Or God? And you go, well, Tim, I want to work for you. But I want to do some things that need to change in you. And what we do is we, what do we do? We sit there and we go, you want to work in me? It means you're going to change me. Well, let me think about this. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, okay, I know we all could use some improvement. I'm sure I could use some improvement. So I guess you could work in me. But keep that for me coming, man. Keep that coming, because I need that. I guess you can work in me a little bit. And then God's third phase is, of this plan is, I want to work through you. And that's where we balk. We really balk. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want to do what? I want to work through you, Tim. I want to work through you. Oh, but I'm not the guy. See, the inse- then the gap starts coming. The gap starts forming. I mean, how many times has somebody asked you, would you help with this? Let's, I, want, I need your help to do this. And we go, oh, I don't know. I'm really pretty busy. Or I'm not sure I'm the guy. I'm not sure I'm the girl for that. You know, keep it coming, Lord, for me. And I guess you can work a little bit in me. But through me? Really? You want to work through me? Moses is this guy. And it's here, after 40 years of being in the wilderness. By the way, I just it hit me this morning. Moses has wandered in the wilderness twice. And they're both 40-year clips. So I can see why he'd be a little bothered to have to go through that again, huh? With the people of Israel. What? we got to wander again? Oh, come on! <laughs> but here he is, and, and he's wandered around. He's left Egypt. He was 40 years old when he left. He's 80 years old now, and for 40 years he's been taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And when you read the, the, the story of Exodus 3 and 4, you find that there's a burning bush. An angel appears in a burning bush, and he sees that, and he goes, I wonder what that's about. And he walks up, and when he does, a voice from the bush says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. (laughs) That's what he says, here I am. And it's there that God begins to close the gap of insecurity in Moses. He helps him deal with it. What brings about insecurity? What, What brings it out of me? Well, I think there's three gaps that Moses saw that he, that we see on a regular basis that brings out my insecurity. For example, number one, I see the gap in my credibility, and I get insecure. And God says to Moses, listen, I've heard the people. I've heard their cries. They're in bondage. I want to use you. I want you to go back and bring my people out of Egypt. It's time for them to come out. I've heard their cries. And what's Moses say? Look what he says here. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He goes, me? Who am I? I'm a nothing. I have no credibility. You know, don't you you see that, Lord? I think uh, uh, you're going to see later somewhere he he says in one translation, Behold, Lord. Like he's going to tell God to see something. God already he sees everything, folks. You know, you ever done that? But Lord, you don't understand. Oh, I'm 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 omniscient. 
I know everything. I understand everything. What is it I don't understand? I see there's an understanding problem, but I don't think it's me. That's what God's saying to us, you know. But here he is, he's saying, I see. I, I, I just don't think I'm believable. Look what he says here in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He, he explains it. What if they don't believe me or listen to me or say the Lord d- did not appear to you? See, Moses, look how focused he is on himself. He's in his insecurity. Uh, who am I? They, they, what if they don't believe me? What, 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 what if they ask me, you know, who sent me? Who, who, who sent me? What if, they, what if they ask, you know, me some questions and say, he didn't appear to you. I mean, don't you get it, God? I know you want me to do something, but I know that they know I'm not a perfect person. You see, Lord, that's what Moses is trying to tell God here. They can't, he won't believe me. Why? Because I know they know I'm a murderer. Lord, I know they know I ran out on them. Why would they listen to me? Sound familiar? You know, I'd love to be, you know, I really want to be a great dad to my kids, but I know they know I'm not a perfect person, so why should I try? I'd love to have a great marriage, but my spouse knows, I know my spouse knows every weakness I have and all the messed up things I've said and done. And they, what do they do? They keep us from trying, don't they? They keep us from changing. They make us passive. They make us back off. Nobody's perfect. Have you figured that out? Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And so this gap of credibility creeps in and haunts us and creates distance between myself and what God wants me to do. Make sense? Awful quiet in here. Makes sense. Number two, another thing that creates insecurity or it, it, it's, it brings out my insecurity is I see the gap in my un, in, in my certainty. What do you mean? Well, what does the Bible say? Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not See, In other words, I want to fully trust the Lord. I really want to have great faith. But I have trust issues. And maybe I got them from being a child and I was abused. Or got them from a church that hurt me. But I have a hard time trusting people. I have a hard time trusting you, God. I have a tr- hard time believing you're going to come through. I've got doubts. I've got fears. My faith is very weak here. So there's this, and I know it, and there's this gap between I want to be full of faith, but really I'm very weak. I'm not sure if I have a lot of any faith. Here's here's how Moses says it in chapter 3. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The Lord of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What What shall I tell them? It hit me. Moses doesn't know who God is. Moses doesn't know the name of God. 
Now, there's been a lot of people tried to speculate how this happened. I mean, he was he grew up in the palace, but uh, but he had a relative there raising him too. He knew he was a Hebrew, and yet maybe all that wandering around for forty years has he's gotten away. He's just gotten away from what he used to do, what he used to be. He's been sitting and soaking and rusting, getting rusty. But his faith has somehow begun to weaken to the point where he doesn't even know who God is. Guys, the gap of my certainty, that gap reveals how well I know the Lord. That gap that's in my faith between what I, what I want to be and what I really am really tells me how close I am to my Lord, how well I know Him. And I want to ask you this morning, is your faith broadening or closing the gap? See, as a Christian, we've got to be growing. Our faith has to grow because we're going to be dealing with with more things that could be even tougher to deal with that could either draw insecurity or great victory, depending on how we approach it. Jesus mentions it to His disciples, this this gap of certainty. Look at He says to them, remember the storm? They had this big storm and He's asleep and they wake Him up. We're all going to die. How can you sleep through this? Wake up for crying out loud. And he wakes up. I get to see Jesus waking up and, you know, the boat's doing this thing, you know. What's going on? And I get to see his hair waving in the... This is a great storm. I love it. (laughs) And he goes, peace be still. And it stops. Kick it, kick it, kick it. It's crickets. (laughs) What? And look what he says to them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Isn't that interesting? Fear, insecurity is present when there's faith is absent. They were look what this, look what they say. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Jesus, you guys, you've been following him. <laughs> right? It's Jesus. You know that? No. We just realized we really don't know who this is. And it made them insecure. What are you doing to make your faith grow? What are you doing to strengthen your faith? Because it will close that gap. Number three. Another thing I notice that what brings out my insecurity is I see the gap in my capability. And I see this all the time. I see the job that needs to be done, and I see my ability and go, uh, big difference. Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. And by the way, I want you to notice, I want you to notice something. This is what I find interesting. Did you notice, did you look at the difference between the word Lord and Lord. Do you notice something about those two? Look close. What do you notice? One is capitalized and one's in lowercase. Mo- By the way, Moses is writing this story. He's writing his story and he says, 
He didn't say, I said to the Lord. He goes, Moses said to the Lord, to Jehovah, pardon me, pardon your servant, Lord Adonai. He's really talking about, pardon me, pardon your servant, sir. He doesn't see him as Jehovah at the moment. You follow me? He sees him as just somebody who has authority. Kind of reminds you of Saul when he was struck down off his horse. Who are you, sir? I think the King James, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Paul learns that he's not just have authority. He has all authority. He's the creator of everything. And he has a purpose for his life. Jehovah. Moses Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and tongue. And, uh, guys, I don't know if you... You notice something there? He says to him, uh, Pardon me, but... I've never been a good talker. I've never... been able to put, you know... thoughts... Is he stammering? Is he a stutterer? And by the way, Moses puts this in front of God several times when you read Exodus. I have faltering lips, you know. I have faltering lips, you know. It's the point where God doesn't even respond to it. And he's saying, I've always, I've never been eloquent in the past and uh, since uh, you've come into my life. You know, you haven't fixed me. I mean, you've been talking to me and it hasn't changed. What about that? You know, we think God's going to have to fix us, fix everything before He can use us. I don't know if God wants to fix you. It, it may be, guys, God wants you like you are. I'm not talking about sin and what it's done to us, but the way you're made... Because he wants people to see his power, not yours. But see, we get this idea, man, I got this gap. See, I, I know you want me to do something, but I don't have the ability. And God goes, that doesn't get you off the hook. Well, I can't do it. So, I kind of made you where you were incapable. Maybe you ought to accept that gap. Not let it be so make you so insecure. See, everybody, guys, everybody struggles with credibility. Everybody struggles with their certainty, and everybody, listen to me. You, by the way, let me say that. Let me take that back. You might be credible and say, "Well, I'm, you've, got, you've got a life that's pretty credible, and you're pretty confident." In other words, you're pretty certain about the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, we all deal with this capability issue, don't we? I had somebody tell me between services, you know, Tim, it's not that I'm that I don't have faith, and it's not that I that I you know don't uh, have credibility. He's a good man, a good father, a good husband. He said, I just don't know if I'm very capable. And when I see that, I wonder what am I going to do. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Pardon your servant, Lord. 
Notice again, I've never been eloquent, never been eloquent with this. But then he says in verse 13, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I'm not the guy. You know what I notice about this? Moses isn't arguing with God about, I know we need something needs to be done. I know something needs to happen over there in Egypt. We need to get this done. You're right. You just got the wrong guy. And you think, wow, Moses, that's awesome. But that doesn't get Moses off the hook again, okay? And guys, I know some of us here, you know, I know the church here, we, need to, we really need to be launching out on faith. We need to be making disciples. We need to be evangelistic. We need to be serving. I'm agreeing with that, but I'm, it's not me. Just don't use me. Send somebody else. Now, if I, I, listen, I listen sometimes. I hear people a little grumbling. You know, oh, we're just not as passionate as we used to be. We're just not as excited as we used to be. We, we don't do many events anymore. You know, what's going on here? And the thing is, is that we can't do anymore until you start doing something. We can't, I can't do any more than I'm doing right now. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm at my limit. And if something doesn't change... You're going to lose. You're going to lose me. You say you're going to leave. No, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Some of you here, you know, this is what you do. Somebody else. That's for somebody else. That's for somebody younger. That's for somebody more talented. That's for a female. That's for a male. That's for this. For that. Blah blah. What? Moses said somebody else. Send somebody else. You know, you know what God's response was? It says he burned with anger. And I just want to, I want to say this to you, okay? Some of you here, when you start talking like that, I always want to take a couple of steps away from you. Because you are ticking your God off. Oh, God's a happy God. He's a loving God. He's, sometimes He's angry. Last time, I, I, do, do a search. When He burns with anger, He levels cities. He strikes people dead. And here Moses, he goes, send somebody else. And, Moses goes, and God goes, it says he burns with anger. What are you doing, Moses? Before you get all over Moses, he might be looking at you saying, and what are you doing? You got the wrong guy. I agree with you to do something, but you got the wrong guy. Really? You think God is that dumb? You realize you're insulted. That's why God's angry. He's insulted by this. Send somebody else. You got the wrong guy. Oh, you don't think I know what I'm talking about? You don't think I know what I'm doing? I made you for this. Is God burned up with you? Is He getting a little agitated with you? You better hope not. See, you may agree with God, but when you say... But I don't agree with who you're going to use. You've got a problem with God. Now, what I love about this is that Moses, in this burning bush, he comes face to face with God, and he's able to address his insecurity, and over time he's able to conquer his insecurity. I don't think you conquer your insecurity with a flash of lightning. I think it's a process that takes time. 
And notice what it says, what Stephen says about Moses in Acts 7 here. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. You say, wow, that's so, when, did, when was he powerful in speech and action? Well, if we say he was powerful in speech and action before the burning bush, then that means he became insecure. And that could happen. But I think that he became powerful. He was powerful in, in speech and action after the burning bush. After he had experienced whatever this was happening on this mountain. By being face to face with God, he became this man who could speak and could do what he he was capable. He became capable. He became equipped. Now what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of this time I've got, which is the next hour and a half. The next time I have, I'm sorry, not really. Let me spend just the next few minutes here. What I learned in this passage this week as I studied it, I wrestled through this this week, cried over this stuff, because it's really near and dear to me. If you're an insecure person, I with you, I'm tired of letting... My insecurity, my fear, and everything's pushed me around. And I want, to, I want to tell you, I feel like we've got some answers here with Moses. He's going to help you and I this morning. Close this gap. This gap of insecurity. So how does it happen? How does it happen? Well, I conquer my insecurity, number one, when I move closer to God. The gap kind of... When I get closer, the gap gets narrower. Here's my second definition of insecurity. That, that After I read the first one, I went, well, that is true. It is the unsettling gap between who I want to be and who I am. That's my perspective. Let me give you God's perspective. I think God says, you know, Tim, honestly, here's what I think insecurity is. It's the gap between who I think I am and who God thinks I am. That my insecurity, really at the roots of it, is the gap between who I think I am and who God says I am, who believes I am. And this is what I notice with Moses and God. They're parlaying back and forth. God is trying to help Moses see what he sees in him and is trying to help Moses rethink his, his, who he is. Because, see, insecurity is all in my head. Insecurity is all in your head. I think Soul Lift, the illusionist, said that, what do you say what fear was? An illusion? It's true. It's in our heads. If you've got a Bible, you want to turn over to Psalms chapter 8. This passage, um, I'm reading this passage in Psalms chapter 8, and um, it's made by David. He says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then in verse 3 he says, When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. 
And you read that, and you might think, is this talking about Jesus? It could be talking about Jesus, yeah. But David says, you know what I notice? I look at the stars, I look at the planets, I look at everything you've made, and go, wow. Then I look at me. I look at us. Why would you even bother considering us? Why would you even be mindful of us? How much thought did you put into us? And he says, I just realized, one translation says, you made me a little lower than you. Guys, <laughs> we're made in the image of God. We're not God. But Tim, doesn't sin separate us from God? Yes, it does. But that's not what we were designed to be, separated from God. That you and I are actually made a little lower than the angels. You know, I pre- you know, a preacher one time shared that passage and then he followed with this, but don't let that go to your head. It's time you let it go to your head. Because the stinking thinking, guys, that we have sometimes is, I can't do any of this. But when I get close to God, I, I'm nothing, I'm a nothing. I'm, I'm, and when I get close to God, I find out God thinks a lot of you thinks a lot of me and the closer I can get to God I learn about my identity someone once said I am not what you think I am I am not what others think I am I am not what I think I am I am who God says I am I find my identity in God who made me I love Toy Story I told you a hundred times when they go like that and they see the owner's name. They see Andy on their shoe. I belong to Andy. I matter to Andy. And you matter to God. Your name, His name is not here. It's in your DNA. It's in everything about you. And I notice that Moses, it says here in, in, in Exodus 3... Moses, he sees this burning bush and he says, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from the, within the bush, Moses, Moses. I can't help it. Cecil B. DeMille, you know, in the Old Ten Commandments, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, Here I am. I mean, Moses has been off the grid for 40 years. He doesn't even know God's name. But you know what? God knows His. And if you've been off the grid for a while, and you may have forgotten some things. Somebody reminded me, Allison reminded me for the, for the services. Remember in Hook, when Peter can't fly, and Shmi says, He's forgotten everything. Moses is like that. He's forgotten everything. God reminds him, I haven't forgot you, and I know who you are. It means to draw out, and I'm going to use you. I'm going to work. I've worked for you. I'm going to work in you, and I'm going to work through you to draw my people out of Egypt. So as soon as he begins to look, as soon as he moves a little closer to the bush, the gap closes in, this gap of insecurity. Let me read a couple of passages to you. When you seek the Lord, guys, when you get close to God, you're going to close that gap. 
Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 112, verse 7. They will have no fear of bad news. Who is this? These are people that seek the Lord. These are people that, that, that trust the Lord. It says, their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And look what it says there. I love this. Their hearts are secure. They have no fear. You know what I've learned over, over 30-some years? I don't know, I've lost count how long I've been a Christian. When I'm close to God, I'm just fine. When, I, when there's distance, the gap widens. My insecurities come. Look at this passage. I want to be this, don't you? I want to be this. The wicked are afraid of everything. But those who live right, godly, the righteous, those who seek the Lord, are as brave as lions, are as bold as lions. You get close to God, it closes the gap. It closes the gap. What are you doing to get close to God? What are you doing to get close to God? Because that's, that's the first thing you've got to do if you're going to conquer your insecurity. Number two, I conquer my insecurity when I trust God's capability over my own. You know, God tells Moses, take off your shoes, take off your sandals. And he does. I think he does. He doesn't say it, but I'm sure he did. You're standing on holy ground. And then he says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why is he telling him that? Well, look what Moses did. He hit his face. Not only did it blow his socks off, he hit his face. I can't, I can't, oh my, you're that God. You're that God? I remember that God. He says, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God that worked in your father and through your father to save your life. And and why? It goes even further back, Moses. I've been working in your life, and I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of promise. This is about fulfilling a promise, and you've got to help me get it done. I've got to get my people out of Egypt, and you're the guy. And Moses, of course, begins to make those excuses. I can't talk. I can't do this. What if they don't believe? And God puts him in situations to kind of help him see that it's not his capability that's going to get it done, but God's capability. You might want to write this down. I don't have to do it all. Dot, dot, dot. I don't have to do much. God does it all. God always does it all. How do you know that? Well, remember, what's he say? He goes, what do you got in your hand, Moses? And he starts making excuses. Well, I don't, what if they don't believe? What do you got in your hand? Huh? What? What, what do you got in your hand? Well, I got my stick. I got my staff. <laughs> well, that's cool. Throw it on the ground. What? Throw it on the ground. Let go of it. Why? Okay. What do you do with your stick? What can you do with that? Well, I can walk. I look pretty cool. I can lean on it sometimes. Sometimes I knock stuff out of the tree. It's too high for me to reach, so I can eat it. Sometimes I have to poke the sheep, keep them in line. Maybe I have to club one or two, or may have to do something, protect them. Okay. Well, let go of it, and let me show you what I can do with that stick. Now, I'm so glad Moses let go of it, because it turned into a snake. Can you imagine what Moses would have done? He's holding it. <laughs> you know, 
He lets go of it, and God turns into a snake. What's Moses do? He runs. And I got to thinking, I wonder how big this flock Moses has. I mean, how big did he start with? Because he's running a lot. He's afraid a lot. And I wonder if did Jethro give him like a bunch of sheep, and now he's down to about ten. I'll try my best to take care of them, but they, you know, it's pretty scary out there. I'm a pretty insecure guy. I don't think you got the right guy for this job. You ever thought about that? Yeah, Moses. Yeah. Now go and um, pick it up by the tail, like you have to tell me. I'll pick her up by the tail and I'm going to pick it by the other end. That's too harmful. Picks it up, turns back into a stick. What's going on here? You know, in fact, he says, you're doing this to, sh- to help people believe. You don't think it's helping Moses? What are, you, what are you trying to say, Tim? Well, I tap into God's capability through my obedience. I tap into the power and capability of God when I simply obey. If I'll just do what he says. I tap into the power that I don't have. The capability that I don't have. You see, for me for God to work in his in this stick, Moses had to let go of it. Is there a lesson here? Man, I really want I really have a great marriage. Maybe you need to what can you do in your marriage? Well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Well, if you'll let go of it and let me have it, let me show you what I can do with it. What, what are you doing with all your stuff? Well, I, I drive here, I pay this, I buy that. That's great. If you let go of that a little bit, could I show you what I could do? You follow me, church? You're never going to know what God can do if you don't obey Him. When he says, let go of it, let go of it. Simple. Simple. He says, he says, pick it back up. He picks it back up. It turns back into a stick. And what happens? He says, all right, now you can do, you'll do your thing with that stick. I'll do my thing with this stick. Let's join forces and let's go kick some butt. Let's go to Egypt and see what... By the way, did you know that the, the staff that Moses has is no longer his? He refers to it in chapter 7 as the staff of God. He calls it God's staff now. It's no longer mine. He's going to work through what I have. Moses, yeah, take your hand, put it in your cloak. Why? Well, just do it. Pull it out. It's leprosy, the Ebola virus of ancient times. Am I right? You get leprosy in the ancient times, you're dead. It's over. And he pulls his head, it says it's white as leprosy. It's white with leprosy. Now, I don't know if that, I don't understand leprosy completely. I don't know if it looks like, you know, curdled cheese or if it's just a, the hand is so white that, and the finger looks like it's about to come off, you know, the pinky's about to come off. Yeah! He goes, Moses, yeah, stick it back in. <laughs> Why not? I could just, here's what I, Tim, do it. Uh-uh. Why not? Well, last time I stuck it in there, this happened. I think if I stick it in there again, I'm going to even have a hand. It comes out as a stub. I don't want that. 
Stick your hand in there. Pull it out. Just obeying, guys. You're just doing what God says. And it's healed. What's he saying? Moses, your staff represents everything you have. You obey me with it, I can do amazing things. Your hand represents you. I can use you. And you obey me, let me show you what I can do with you. And so Moses has the staff in his hand and goes back to Egypt. And by the way, what I notice is this, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I tell you what I like about this is God provides some incredible, miraculous stuff in his life. He does some amazing things with his stuff and with himself for him to show him. I've appreciated what Danny said. He used to be a drug addict. He used to, I mean, he was a mess. And guys, we forget. We forget the, the incredible power God has displayed in our lives. Some of you here have a story and you've forgotten it. And you know what? You, if you would think about it, think about what God has done in your life, it's going to narrow that gap of insecurity. I think about a couple of thoughts here before I move on, this last point. Let me say one last thing. Sometimes obedience is going to make things bad before they get good. Sometimes obedience is going to make things bad for you before it gets better. Ooh. Ah. So if you're expecting when I obey, it's all going to work out immediately. may not. Sometimes obeying God's going to be a little scary. No! Ah. If you just simply obey, it cleans the conscience, it creates confidence. What's the third thing? When I accept God's help, if I just accept God's help, you know, to beef up the confidence of Moses, God helps Moses in two ways. One, God will help Moses and He'll help me personally. He'll help you personally. He says, he, after He says, I've not been eloquent, the Lord says, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He says, Who made your mouth, Moses? It was me, right? Yeah. I want it this way. And let me teach you how to use it. Let me show you. I made you this way and you can do the job if you'll obey me. I'll make up for what you lack. I will make up for what you lack. And the second way He helps me is through people. After God is upset, after He's burning with anger, He goes, How about your brother Aaron? I know he can talk. <laughs> I think that's fine. I know he can speak well. How about him? You say, well... What's your point? My point is, sometimes we do need a little help, don't we? And God sends a person. God sends an Aaron. Not only does God help me personally, He sends a person. And He says, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Now what I notice is this. Moses does not refuse that help. And you know what the Bible says Moses does? 
He packs his family, packs his wife and kids, and with Aaron, they head back to Egypt. It says they head back to Egypt with the Lord's staff. Are you accepting the help you're getting? Are you asking for help? Who's your Aaron that's trying to get you to help you? Who's God using to teach you to what to do, what to say, how to grow? Accept them. Accept their help. Accept God's help. Accept the help of that Christian brother or sister. Now, I didn't... It's not in your notes, so I'm going to tell you. I, I discovered a third definition of, of... I don't know if it's insecurity as much as maybe where insecurity comes from. And it's about this capitalized Lord and lowercase Lord that I notice in the passage. And it goes like this. I think my insecurity I'm learning is coming from this. It's not how I see myself. And maybe not how, how God sees me. But how I see God. Because I discover who I am when I understand the great I am. Does that make any sense? I think that's what I... At the first service, I discovered that. that you know, Tim... It's really your understanding of God. It really is your understanding of who He is that will help you grow secure. So how do you see your God this morning matters. You know, Moses would refer to the Lord later with capital letters. He would learn that he was not just somebody in authority, but he would learn the fullness of God, his love, his purpose, his pleasures. And I think Moses, that's when he was, that's when that gap of insecurity was at his closest moment. That's why he could go on Mount Nebo and look over the promised land that he'd never get to go into and would say, that's good enough. I got him. I got him here, Lord. It's good enough. You have a card in your bulletin this morning, and I pray you'll to take advantage of this card. We have people that pray over these cards. They get four, five, six, seven, eight cards apiece, and they just spend time praying. And if you've got something you want us to pray about, would you just use that card this morning for that purpose? Maybe there's a decision you need to make. I mean, what gap... Is which which gap is it that's really bringing out your insecurity? Which gap is it? You look at those notes. Is it your capability? Is it your certainty? You know, is it your credibility? Which which one is it that's getting creating the gap? And what could you do? What have you learned today that you're going to do to close? Let the, for God to help you close that gap. Why not write that down? Make that a commitment card today. Say I'm making a commitment today to do this to close that gap. We're going to give you time to do that as we as we sing a song, and then we're going to sing another song, and then take up the card, our cards, and the contribution as well. And I want to remind our guests: you're under no obligation to give. Uh, like I've said a hundred times here, uh, when we pass the plate, it's not to get something from you. You know, this is for our members. If you want to give, that's up to you. But we just I just want you to know we're here to help you and to give to you, not get from you. 
Let's pray and we'll be through with our service.